In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ready to get it started, guys? It's Tuesday. Two for Tuesday. I had a little podcast issue yesterday, so I was unable to upload, but I put it out today. And uh, we got another one coming right on its heels. Two for Tuesday. So I was thinking about our society a little bit, a little bit about propaganda, a little bit about social engineering, a little bit about corruption. And a little bit about the most powerful force in the world. Do you guys know what the most powerful force in the world is? The most powerful force in the world is an idea whose time has come. And I think that's what we're up against right now. We are in the midst of a radical change, a radical shift. A shift in ideas, a shift in society, a shift in demographics, a monumental shift in consciousness is what I see happening. I overheard some commentary about police brutality and the rioting that's been sweeping our nation. And it seems to me that they're, at least the propaganda in the media is trying to, you know, yield their weapons of division and they've they've established two camps. One is the camp of all the police are horrible and the other is the camp of the protesters are out of control. The truth is it's somewhere in the middle, right? It's not either or. It's an and then. Another weapon of division they're yielding is the coronavirus 
hey, I don't wear my mask because I'm not a slave or I wear my mask because I care about people. Those are two instances where they're really trying to push division amongst the people. You got to ask yourself, is it because it's an election year? Is that why there's so much divisiveness? And how come, why is it that the eruption of chaos is worse than it has been since probably the 60s? Well, I think there's multiple reasons for it. I definitely think that this election year has something to do with it. Have you noticed that there's no debates, nor will there be any debates? That's pretty much unprecedented. They don't want people asking questions. They want people fighting each other. They don't want people asking about foreign policy. Speaking of foreign policy, have you guys seen all the all the explosions in Iran lately? Do you guys know that American troops have secured one third of Syria? I wouldn't be surprised to see a full-scale war happen over there. Right? If you look at the last few years, the American people are so sick of war. Every time they try to invade Iran, when we try to send more troops to Syria, the American people had a fit. They're like, no, we're done. Get the hell out of there. But now that we're all worried about COVID, now that we're all worried about the election, no one's even talking about the Middle East. But there's a lot more action going on in the Middle East than there has been for a long time. On another topic of chaos that I have noticed is that, you know, some people think defunding the police is going to work. Some people think sending a check to the masses of people is going to work. I don't think either of those are going to work. I think you should... I think that our police force need to have more money to equip themselves, not with armored vehicles, not with 50 caliber hand cannons, but they should all be like a purple belt in jujitsu. And they should have that kind of training. I think that there should be some sort of freedom dividend. I, I, I mean, I don't understand why that American corporations can't give a percentage of the profits to the American people. I'm so sick of the, the rhetoric about, oh, taxes are so high for these corporations. It's so hard to do business here. Okay, well then fuck you, leave. Get the fuck out of here. It's so hard to do business here. Oh, it's so hard for us to be an American company. When we go to a foreign country, we send over American troops and have them slaughter and murder the fucking people over there so we can set up our American business. 
You fuckers should start paying American people for that. You're doing it in our name. And then you have the audacity to talk about how high your taxes are. When I think about money and corporations and government, it brings us back to Citizens United. Does everybody know that 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 case, Citizens United, which made... It made the case that speech is money. Money is a form of speech. Therefore, people, PACs in general, can give as much money as they want to politicians. And that opened the door to flat-out bribery. We can't... Because there's precedence, it would be very difficult to overturn a Supreme Court. So we've already established... Our country has established, through Citizens United... That money is speech. But do you, do you know that... I think there's an avenue we could explore. We can't overturn the court's decision that money is speech. But speech is open for interpretation. So we could... We could... Maybe file some sort of suit or a class action or get some sort of movement behind... Corporate money to government could be considered hate speech, right? Because if a if a corporation is a person, according to Citizens United, then that corporation should also be able to be charged with hate speech, and they should have to follow the the rules of hate speech, and they should be persecuted as hate speech. And I would go as far as to say that the board of directors and the shareholders of that company, if their company, through giving money to government, is found to be guilty of hate speech, then they they personally should face the penalties. And I think that along the lines, it could be something of like, say you're a corporation like Monsanto that gave money to a politician to help write a bill. Then we find out that Monsanto or Bayer, whatever they are now, just paid out this you know, billion-dollar lawsuit. All of a sudden, the money they gave to the, to the governors or the money they gave to the politicians is now designated hate speech. And those politicians and those governors are now responsible for hate speech. I think that there could be something there. I'm not an attorney by any means. However, I think that As I said before, we can't overturn Citizens United, but we could redefine what that type of speech is. And I think you could truly make a case for lobbyists giving money to politicians for companies that have done something horrendous. I think you could, I think that could work. Which leads me to the level of chaos and corruption that you see in the streets today. A lot of people are, are, are saddened and a lot of people are getting hurt and a lot of people are confused and a lot of our politicians and leaders, they're looking for answers of how do we get back to some sort of civility. And it seems to me that we're running from the very thing that would free us. So you can't have 
a rule of law for 98% of the people and then a rule of law for the few people above. Maybe you can have that, but the, the rule of law or the absence of the rule of law for the ruling class, it can't continue to grow. Like there, if, if you're going to set up a structure or a society where some people are above the law, that number of people can't continually grow to the point where the people on the bottom begin to see that growth as a manifestation of a cancerous society. And that's what's happened. You know, it used to be that you know, politicians were above the, above the law. And now it's like, not only are politicians above the law, but anybody that makes over a certain amount of money is above the law. Wall Street's above the law. Politicians are above the law. Actors and actresses are above the law. And when you begin, when that begins to happen, it's it's a symptom of the sickness that plagues and the plague not only plagues our society, but it's also a sign that. there needs to be some sort of reconstruction or there's just going to be collapse. Because like everything else, good ideas and really good strategies, they always start at the top, but then they filter down to the bottom. And what I mean, like an example of that is we have special forces, right? Like if you think about our Navy SEALs or our recon guys or our Green Berets or, you know, whatever special forces you want to, to think about, there they are. And they were part of the government and they were part of our military. And then as the debacle in the Middle East become, became chaotic you saw the expansion of contractors that are like private military people. And they would go in and they would do things that the regular military couldn't because it was illegal or immoral for a government to do. So they would send in the private contractors who were made up of, you know, retired special forces. And that... As, as we have pulled out of the Middle East somewhat, if we have pulled out of Europe somewhat, we now have those private security forces here and they are running operations for the highest bidder. I don't know if you guys saw it, but there was a article in the paper or the online about eBay. This is about a week ago. And eBay... Well, let me, let me premise it with this. All the big tech companies in Silicon Valley, they run on the premise that their brand and their reputation is everything. 
So if someone says something negative about their brand, or if someone does something negative to tarnish their reputation, then they come after them with a vengeance. Right? We've all you've all heard of. Um, You know when you leave a comment on, um, there's multiple sites, but imagine leaving a bad comment or a bad review, whether it's on Amazon or whether it's on, uh, you know, any of these other sites where you review stuff. Sometimes the company will come after that person that left a bad review. Sometimes they'll try to solve the problem and say, hey, look, we're sorry, let us refund your money. But other times, they will actually sue the person that made that comment. Even though they know they won't win, they know that the person leaving that comment probably doesn't have money for an attorney. So they, they will let loose the attorneys in their, on their team to attack the individual to take that comment down. Okay, so now that we premised it with that, what eBay did is alleged, this is all allegedly, right? But there was a, a couple who had a had a, uh, a newsletter that they sent out. I believe they were in Massachusetts. And they had left. They had gotten some... They've had some real problems with eBay. And so in their newsletter to all their subscribers, they talked about a pattern of problems they noticed with eBay and let, their, let the subscribers to the newsletter know, hey, look, we're not using these guys anymore because of these five issues. And we think that you, as our subscribers should think about these issues. Well, it turns out that eBay didn't like that. And so in order to get the people of the newsletter to stop circulating the negative publicity and tarnishing the brand of eBay, they took it upon themselves to maliciously attack this couple. And the way they did that is According to sources online and according to the media, and no one's been convicted, so it's all alleged, but according to these sources, there were three executives. One of them was alleged to be the CEO, and they took it upon themselves. They sent a box of like live spiders to this couple. They sent a bloody pig mask to this people. And then after they sent the mask, then they would send a text to the couple like, am I getting through to you yet? They would send a book. They sent a book of, and the title of the book was, How to Cope with Life After Your Spouse Has Died. They allegedly tried to send an actual dead pig, but I guess it, it didn't make it through. The executives went as far as going, flying out from their hub in California to Massachusetts and trying to put a tracker on the couple's vehicle. All in a name, all, all in an attempt to get this couple from saying negative things about their company. You know, are they a, is, is eBay a billion dollar company and they're attacking these people with a newsletter? It's a fascinating story. If you get a chance, you should look it up. It's ongoing right now. And the, the way the couple figured it out is that they went to the police 
And then the police went to the FBI and then the FBI started tracing the emails. And the FBI just saw like a direct link was like, hey, these emails, all these things are coming directly from the eBay headquarters. So they were able to, I I mean, I don't know how they did it, but they were able to pin it down to the actual terminals they came from. And I'm pretty sure that it's not a random stranger at a terminal inside eBay. The reason that's important is because one of the people that was responsible at the eBay headquarters was a private security contractor. You see, when we start having private companies with private armies, we start having real problems. How is somebody that works at a place supposed to deal with a special forces security team? How is someone who is trying to leave an honest comment so other people don't get ripped off supposed to deal with a team of attorneys that are going to file frivolous lawsuits in order to shut that person up. And that's what I mean by the ideas trickle down. So, so what was good for our government in a foreign country to manipulate those people into giving us our resources has now become good for private corporations to manipulate their employees into giving them their resources. And when when your voice can't be heard, when there's... when When people have nothing left to lose, they lose it. And that's what you're seeing in the streets. That's what you're seeing with things being torn down. That's what you're seeing with windows being broken. That's what you're seeing with all the homeless people on the streets. The level of inequality when it comes to justice is the equality or lack thereof that is that is going to bring us down. I truly believe that if you want to turn things around really quick, like why, why can't we bring to justice the entirety of the Epstein Maxwell gang? Like why can't, why can't we release the names? Why can't we bring those people to justice? Why not? You know, if the people on top really wanted to stop the violence, if they wanted to stop the people from looting, if they wanted to stop the people from tearing the country apart, all they have to do is provide justice to the people that have been escaping justice. And I think that would send a clear signal to everybody, hey, there's a new sheriff in town. People are going to have to be responsible for their actions. Because let's face it, the people on the bottom are responsible for their actions. Right? Three, the three strikes law, the petty crimes, private prisons, 
And if you don't have enough money to get a top-notch lawyer, then you're not... According to Matt Taibbi, you're, you're, almost, you're probably just going to get a plea deal. And then that just sets you up later in life for... Now you got a record. Now you have a history. So the next time something happens to you, you're going to go away for a longer period of time. But if you have tons of money, then you can just pay a fine and then admit no guilt and carry on. It just saddens me to, to think that there's, there's a way to solve the problem. There's just not a will to solve the problem. And it just seems eerily reminiscent of let them eat cake. I don't think we've even begun to see the financial repercussions of COVID-19. They're coming. They're coming. I don't know how anybody who is living paycheck to paycheck is going to be able to pay their mortgage or pay their rent or pay their car payment or put food on the table for their kids. I think you're gonna have, you're gonna see the riots intensify, and if I could offer any advice, it would be to get to know your neighbors, get to know the people at your work, or get to know the people around you that you can trust. I think that there may be some opportunities moving forward through this, though. If there is some sort of economic calamity, I think that the people, if they're organized, will have the opportunity to restructure some things. And this was this is kind of a, a radical idea for change. However, like let's say you work for a multinational corporation, and you know, your the multinational corporation has little hubs all over the all over the planet. Why don't the people, the leadership in that building, and the people working at that building, why don't they just take over that building and, and it becomes somewhat of a franchise, right? Because the people on the ground in that area can make way better decisions for the community in that area. Now, granted, it's not going to be as profitable for the shareholders. It's not going to be as profitable for a small handful of people that never have to face justice. But it would be better for the community at large. And what's, what's better for the community, for the planet, than to have strong communities? I think that there's some real... There's some real meat there. You know, we... You can make the argument that people in our government and people around the world, they would like to break up the United States because it's so big and so powerful that no other country can compete against it. And that a united America will rule forever. A united America has the ability to influence 
and destroy any other nation. And there's a lot of people that believe if you could break up the United States into whether it be a thousand Vietnams or whether it be four different blocks, then you could better control, manage, and integrate the United States. And with that, if you, if you applied that same strategy, like if you thought like, yeah, you know what? It would be easier if they were smaller, you could manipulate them better. I think you could kind of twist that strategy of like, well, if that's the case, let's break up the big companies. Let's break up all these monopolies and let them be run at the local level. Right? Let's change the... Let's change the way the business model is governed. Let's take away the very people at the top whose dad was a multimillionaire and whose son is kind of a dummy or whose daughter is kind of a dummy, but they got a spot on the board because, well, they were born into it. Let's get rid of those people. Those people are clogging the way. They're going to be gone one way or another. I mean, either, either we could convince them to step down, which would be very difficult to do, or they're just going to run the company into the ground. And I think that all of us can see that that's kind of what's happening right now is there's all these people in charge with A, no experience, and B, they live in a bubble where they don't truly understand the dynamics at play. And if you really want to understand and grow your business in an area, then you have to have critical knowledge of that area. You know, it's not like basketball. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to go there and run a full court press. Cultures are not games. And strategies in games are not the strategies that you use in culture. Because some cultures don't even have the same games as each other. But I think that we are in need of radical ideas. We are in need of radical change. I heard a good quote one time that says, there's three kinds of people. People that watch things happen, people that make things happen, and people that sit around and wonder what happened. Well, I know that if you're listening to this, you're like me and you've sat around and you've watched things happen for a long time. And if you're like me, you're now trying to make some things happen because none of us want to sit around and wonder what happened. But we can be the change that we need in the world right now. Just being conscious of your relationships and just being conscious of how you treat other people and just being conscious of what the right thing to do is. So many people get caught doing things right instead of doing the right thing. 
right? Because you can do the right thing and you get a pat on the back. But sometimes you do things right, you have to explain to other people why you did it. And they might not like your explanation because they wanted the pat on the back. They wanted the money. They don't care about doing the right thing. They care about doing things right. And doing things right might mean making more profit. Doing things right might be treating people like a number. But as soon as you lower yourself to that standard, you've become part of the problem. And if you're part of the problem, you can't be part of the solution. Another part that I, I, I see a lot that really bothers me and is just the propaganda and the media and, and the speech people use. Let me ask you this. How much of what you say is actually your opinion? Let me say that again. How much of what you say, how much of what you think, how much of what you say during a conversation to somebody else is actually your opinion? How much of it is a snippet from a video? How much of it is a tidbit from something you heard? How much is it of somebody else's idea that was told to you? If you're honest with yourself, I think that you would have to say a large number of it. I mean, I, I'm 45 and I, I've only come to this realization a while back and it it blows my mind because at first you don't want to think about it. But as you just saying that, just saying that to yourself, say it to yourself. How much of what I say is my opinion? How much of what I say is my opinion? How much of what I say is actually my opinion? If you say it to yourself three times like that, you won't be able to forget it. And if you can't forget it, you'll be forced to start thinking different. And you'll find yourself in a conversation about to speak but then snap, you'll just stop because your brain will shut down and go, you know what? That's not my thought. I'm not going to say it. And that leads us to, that's how effective the propaganda is. That's how effective the media is. Like I have people in my life that watch like people I love that, and I, I it, it saddens me. That it's, it's a lot of the older generation that watches, whether it's CNN or Fox, it's the same garbage. Like, that's not your opinion. That's what Rachel Maddow told you to say. That's what Sean Hannity told you to say. Why don't you please turn that shit off? It's all fucking lies. All of it. All of it. Like, think about those two dummies. Like that, Rachel Maddow is a Rhodes Scholar. You know what a Rhodes Scholar is? A Rhodes Scholar is a scholarship set up by Cecil Rhodes. Cecil Rhodes was Bill, was like a, Bill Clinton was also a Rhodes Scholar, but a Rhodes Scholar, Cecil Rhodes was someone who believed in the old world, someone who believed that the British aristocrats should rule the world and that, you know, you should look into it. But that's what that girl is. That girl's not an American. That girl's probably never been in a fight in her life. That girl... I'm not, I'm not saying she's not smart. She's definitely smart and articulate. However, she doesn't care about people. She doesn't care about the world. She cares about her. 
Same thing with Sean Hannity. Look at that guy. What a fat piece of shit he is. That guy doesn't care about people. That guy's a goddamn egomaniac. Both of them, they just spew garbage on both sides. And none of it's accurate. But it's effective. It's effective in dividing people. It's effective in splitting old from young and men from women and black from white and brown from yellow. These are the tools of the propagandist. On some level, we see the censorship, and on some level, I want you to be thankful for the censorship because censorship can be censorship can be grounds for celebration. The reason I say that is Whenever there is a mass censorship, that means the government is so fragile that just having the wrong message out is a threat to them. And you could make the argument that censorship right now is at a fever pitch. So that's why it's important for everybody to not listen to the mainstream media. And if you have parents or older people that are watching that, It's very difficult to convince them that what they're seeing is not true. But you would do well to try to get them to turn off the TV. It goes back to the reason, an interesting little side trip here, is that, you know, if you listen to something or if you read something... Those are two ways of getting information into your brain where you have to think about them critically. So if you read something, you have to look at it through your eyes, it gets into your head, and then you interpret it. Right? Interpretation means translation. Same thing with hearing something. When you hear something, you, it goes into your ears, and then you have to interpret it and translate the meaning. When you watch a movie, when you watch TV, it bypasses that. And it goes straight to this part of your brain. Boom, right there. The visual cortex, boom. And you have all the pieces to form the message that's already been formed for you. You know what I mean by that? You you have the music behind it that's scoring it. You have the, the two people. You have the visual cues there. You have their body language. You have the entire picture ready to go, ready for insertion, ready for download. So you don't really need the critical thinking. And that's why the propaganda works so well on a lot of the older people is that, first off, they're probably watching the most TV. Second off, their guard is down, right? There's a reason they call it a program. It's programming you. But that particular media is the most dangerous type of media, I think. There's a lot we can do. There's a lot we can do. And I think it calls for radical ideas and radical change. But the first thing you got to do is start changing the way you think. The first thing you got to do is start changing your habits. Do one thing every day that scares you. Do one thing every day that 
makes you a stronger person. And I want to I want to share with you something that I've done that kind of helped me through my transformation a little bit, and that is, a lot of the times we perjure ourselves. You know what I mean by that? Like you say something that isn't true. You say something that you really don't believe, or you say something that's somebody else's idea in a conversation. And we do it because we want to be nice, or we don't want to have a conversation with someone we care about even though we think they might have the wrong idea. So we, we perjure ourselves. We, we don't say something or we choose to lie about our own ideas. And when you do that, like you, not only do you injure the relationship of the person you're with, but like a little piece of your soul dies. So that was something that I, I've been trying to work on but I guess you could, you could also say it like this. When you're starting, when you, in order to make a difference in yourself, stop doing the things that you're doing that are wrong that you can stop. You know what I mean by that? Like, there's things in your life you may not be aware of that are wrong. But I guarantee you there's things in your life that you're doing that you know are wrong. And you know you could stop them. So you should stop those things. If you just take time to think about that, you'll find things in your life that you can be like, oh, you know what? I don't really need to eat that right now. Or you know what? I really don't need to watch this. Or you know what I do all the time? I I always have to have the last word, you know? Like, you know what I always do all the time? I always repeat this other person that I like or... Just think about it. You'll find something in your life that you're doing that you know you can change. And once you do it, it'll, it, it takes a little time and you'll never be perfect. Once you find one thing, you'll, you'll fix it. And then all of a sudden, you'll think of something else and you'll fix that thing. And then all of a sudden, you'll think of something else and you'll fix another thing. You'll start to build momentum. And it, it, it will rapidly change the way you think about your life. It'll rapidly change your relationships. So I think that there's hope going forward. I think we could make some big changes. And I think that we start doing that by by changing who we are and change our environment and change our community. I love you guys. Hope you have a great day today. And um, oh, I know my daughter told me a pretty cool riddle. Let me see if you guys can get this. What? is something that not even the strongest man can hold for nine minutes but is lighter than a feather think about that one and I'll tell you the answer tomorrow aloha love ya aloha everyone Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge 
well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.